Tracy and Emily are smart lovable sisters who really love Lucifer for the plot. Yeah, the plot, which they overthink. I am here with my sister, Tracy Guy Decker. Yes, hyphen. And I'm here with my sister, Emily Guy Birkin. No hyphen. And together we are Lightbringers, where we illuminate the deeper meaning of the crime-solving devil TV show. And yes, we are overthinking it. Yeah. (laughs) So today, Trace, we are going to be talking about episodes 321 and 322, Anything Pierce Can Do, I Can Do Better, and All Hands on Decker. Yes. So, yes. These two episodes are like both fun and also just heartbreaking. Yes. I just, I, the, the effect that I mentioned in our last episode of my being forced to take my time so that we can talk Mm. about it is really like, it's much more painful show. You don't just like push through all of the show. Well, and what's interesting too, is that this, these were when it was still on Fox. And so it was coming out weekly. So people so had to wait. They yeah. intended for you to really feel it. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, I was just talking with uh, my book club about this, about the difference between how we consume television pre Netflix streaming and all of that and how we consume it now and how that's changed, how they write it. Yeah. Cause they know you're going to watch it in a binge. So they, for one thing, they have to uh, get their consistency. Their consistency department has got to be much more, much beefier than it was. Yeah. Y- yeah. Agreed. Not that that is that what they call it? Like the consistency department. Is that like the department of redundancy department? I don't know. <laughs> I, having never worked on a major television production i don't know um but uh yeah i know it is someone's job to to check things like consistency of like where someone is standing because you know they don't necessarily film scenes all at once and and that sort of thing yeah and i feel like whoever that was it's supposed to make sure that like the time of day matches kind of fouled up in these two episodes but (laughs) um they they like fell asleep yeah. yeah. All right. I did not notice that. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you notice it's day? That? It's night. It's day. It's night. It's uh, yeah. okay. Okay. Doesn't matter. I mean, cause the, the, I think the B roll mm-hmm. of like Lux is nighttime. Mm. Gotcha. It, anyway, it, gotcha. it really like in the whole scheme of things, not a big deal. Yeah. So, so let's talk about everything Pierce can do. Or I can do better. Oh, that's a painful one. It's so hard because I'm, I am so squarely team Lucifer. Yes. I love him so much. I know. And he's so clueless in this episode. And cruelly clueless, you know, like, it's not just that he's clueless because I mean, it is, I mean, like someone can be clueless and that can cause, cause like a cruel cause cruelty. And that's what's happening. But he's also intentionally clueless in that he has people who can help him understand and he refuses to let that happen the 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 actual i mean the conclusion that we are led to believe explicitly so is that facing the reality is so painful for him that he will do Anything, anything to avoid it, which is 
And that, you know, that, that fits with people who, well, that fits with narcissism. So, you know, people who are narcissistic will do anything to avoid the, the, the truth about the narcissistic injury, but that's not what's going on here. Exactly. It's, you know, he's so afraid of rejection. Yeah. He's so afraid of rejection that he can't actually face the fact vulnerable or genuine. Well, he can't face the fact that he actually has genuine feelings for this person. I mean, mm-hmm. which he's already, I, I felt like we's, he's already come to grips with and sort of felt like he, it was unfair to put mm-hmm. that on her. We've, we've, you and I've talked about that. Mm-hmm. That's n- not what the showrunners are showing us in these episodes. Mm-hmm. These episodes, they are showing us a fear like a paralyzing fear mm-hmm. of rejection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, for whatever, well, it's not for whatever reason, like that is harder for me to watch than the yeah. sort of tortured, you know, like sort yeah. of the classic, like we can't be together because mm-hmm. it would be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love you. That sort of dance mm-hmm. feels tortured, but somehow noble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I know I've been conditioned to feel that way about it. Yeah, yeah. This dance of I'm terrified you're going to reject me, even though we as viewers know she isn't going to reject him. Yeah. It's just, it's just hard to watch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and this watch through, and I think because I, I watched it so quickly, I was very susceptible to the common complaint that Chloe saying yes to Pierce was out of character and that, that, that this was like the showrunners like forcing them together. And like, we've talked about how this love triangle doesn't work. However, having seen her, what she's going through at that dinner, when he's lit all the candles, he's got the roses and he's just like, see anything he can do, I can do better. And her like devastation mm-hmm. yep. it is it, I actually is the, the first time where I really put myself in her place. And I was just like, I can totally see where there's this guy that she really does like um, who has been making her happy, who is steady and dependable and who is showing with actions, how he cares about her and not words and the person that she is kind of hung up on has made it clear over and over and over again. He's not dependable in a moment of like vulnerability. She'd be like, yeah, you know what? Yes, let's do this. Let me, I'm going to, I'm going to move towards the thing that feels sure. Yeah. And she even, t- I mean, I actually, again, you know, I'm not a huge Lauren German fan, but mm-hmm. I feel like I owe Ms. German, an apology, um, mm-hmm. because I think in this season, which is not one of my favorite seasons, no. <clears throat> Tom Holland, um, Tom Welling, <laughs> Tom's right. Tom, Tom Holland is totally different. He's a different guy. <laughs> um, Tom Welling. Um, in these two episodes, Lauren German nails it. I, I mean, I think her makeup artist maybe did it because when, when Ella is like, I'm either hungover, I've been crying. And then she takes them off and she's like, oh, what's wrong? And I was like, mm, she's got funny eye makeup on. Yeah. But, but that's an aside. German herself, as you say, in that scene, she's like really loving it mm-hmm. at Lux when she was like, I thought we were just going to talk. And he was like, I just, you know, and then she starts to think like, wow, maybe this is it. He's, he's mm-hmm. jealous enough. You know, that 
he sees how much I mean to him and how important I am to him. And, and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we can actually make this work. Yeah. Well, and her delivery of why are you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. Because at that, it really does at that point feel like it is something he's doing to her, to her. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Oh gosh. Well, because his delivery made her a prize in a contest yes, as opposed to a human being or, you know, another soul with whom he feels a connection and wants to, you know, reinforce that connection. Yeah. Mm. I felt like she really, she really nailed it in that. And then again, to your point of why would she say yes, that little like monologue, that's not a monologue because they gave us the bus driver to be listening. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm on the bus when the other women have gotten off, I bought it. Yeah. I really, I believed it. Like, why did I even say, yes, this is not in care. Like she says, this is not a character for me. Yeah. Yeah. And here's why. And I totally bought it. Mm -hmm. It made sense. Mm -hmm. The thing that then didn't make sense to me though, I know for our storytelling purposes, why we needed it was Mm -hmm. the, I'm giving you the ring back, like we're over mm-hmm. or that was the implication mm-hmm. where it felt more like the response from that soliloquy that wasn't would have been let's slow down. slow down. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is way too fast. Like I, mm-hmm. I care about this person and there are lots of great things and I, you know, mm-hmm. maybe even mm-hmm. love him and maybe one day this is the right thing, but mm-hmm. holy cow. I like, I shouldn't jump in so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That, that felt like the actual conclusion, not Mm -hmm. like, here's the ring back. We're done Mm -hmm. though. For storytelling purposes, we needed to have that break so that Wellings Kane could like go off the rails. Yeah. 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 Cause we needed that, but yeah. Although, I mean, I think it may also be that she realized that she's not really in love with him. Like, but it's not explicit. I didn't didn't get that from that soliloquy. It's it's not explicit. From that Um, soliloquy, I got, I'm rushing into this because I'm unhappy and because I'm trying to make myself be someone I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I took that to be the rushing, not the actual, not the actual relationship. Fair, fair. I'll give you that. So the thing one of the things I want to talk about that I feel like another thing that is a, a core element of the show as a whole, which also shows up really beautifully and satisfyingly in these two episodes is the mirroring of the case and mm-hmm. whatever's happening in the drama of their lives. And so like the moment of recognition when Lucifer is actually explaining what happened and why the dancer mm-hmm. did what he did because Lucifer's explaining mm-hmm. about his own relationship mm-hmm. with the rival or, you know, moving things out of the way, whatever. I thought that like, again, it just, maybe it was a little heavy handed, but I liked it. Yeah. I found it yeah. very satisfying to have him sort of like, and the, the way that Ellis delivers the kind of dawning recognition mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. his facial expression just works for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Everything about Tom Ellis works for me, but <laughs> yeah, I think we've established that after, I mean, how many episodes have we put out? Yeah. <laughs> 20 yeah. <some. laughs> yeah. But, but, but I, that sort of dawning recognition was, I, I, bought it all. Mm -hmm. And I, I found it exceedingly satisfying. Yeah. Especially the, the thing that's, that really struck me this time around 
was the fact that the dancer, um, Miguel, sounded like he was like top of his profession. Like there's no reason why he should have felt so insecure mm-hmm. about his affection for Amber. So like there, there, I don't think I remember noticing this the first time through, but his, there was something like, should they show the playbill? And it was like featuring Miguel and Reina. And like, so he was like the big top, name, billing. top billing. And so that draws yet another parallel where it's just like, seriously, Lucifer, why can't you see Mm-hmm. that you have a lot to offer and actually you're diminishing yourself by thinking that you don't in the same way that this, I mean, like this guy made himself a murderer. Right. When it, all he had to do was all say, he had to do was say, Hey, let's go. Out let's get some coffee. Like you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And poor Amber, poor yeah. Amber. I mean, like she, the, she cared for him too. She's lost that opportunity. She lost the mentor that she really like was learning from and felt good about, you know, like, oh my goodness. And, you know, the, the married man who was having the relationship with Raina, not quite so poor, poor him, just you're like, dude, you are married, but he truly loved her. Yeah. Same too. So like, you know, you feel for him as well, you know, for whatever could have or would have been, you know, one would hope that he would do the right thing and and the end his marriage so that he's not stringing his wife along. But anyway, I just uh I I, I appreciated the that parallel too because I felt like they did a, a good job of finding someone who would similarly be like, seriously, why why can't you just not be insecure mm-hmm. about this? Because you're kind of awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's funny too, I mean that that Again, the look on Ellis's face when Linda says, but what do you desire? Mm -hmm. And he says, I want her to choose me, which becomes a through line for the remaining seasons, like that Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. of choosing. But, you know, with the sort of welling up of tears and Mm -hmm. just just the the pure. In fact, I watched it and I was like, Emily loves him right now. Yeah, I may have rewound and watched that scene a couple of times. <laughs> because Emily loves a broken Lucifer. <laughs> I do. Lucifer no, that, is my favorite that, Lucifer. Yeah, so that face. And and when Linda's like, then go, t- it, and like, clearly that's the right thing to do. We've seen it mm-hmm. like in the case. We've seen it here. Like Linda's mm-hmm. made it plain. Like, and then it was a little less than believable that he would be standing in the window, like to witness the proposal. But I went with it. That that's storytelling short, shortcut. It is. You know? I mean, yeah. And I and I filled in the back. Like he saw the motorcycle out front, and so he walked around. And it's still creepy, but whatever. I forgave for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that moment, and then that same sort of like dawning understanding in the second episode that we're talking mm-hmm. about, which I. I feel like this use of Dan, I guess we have had him in this way, but like as that foil to Lucifer, we've had that a a couple of times. This one in particular where Dan gets the message from the case in ways that Lucifer fails to, Mm -hmm. I found that also really satisfying, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Like when the murderer comes home with the dog and Dan is sitting there in the dark. 
Mm-hmm. That's a total Lucifer move. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like that is a thing that Lucifer does on the regular mm-hmm. and the way that Dan has kind of like adopted the Luciferisms. Yeah. That like, I found that exceedingly satisfying. And then yeah. even when he like decides he's going to go tell Charlotte what he wants, he does it in a Dan sort of delivery, but it works. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like, so that was like for, as a viewer, like seeing the clear messages that we're getting of what the thing to do is, mm-hmm. and then seeing it work, but seeing Lucifer like still unable just to do it. Yeah. Even at, like once at the end, once he know, like uh, she's kind of toying with her ringless finger and uh, he, he, starts to tell her realizes that she's not wearing the ring and like, you know, kind of, she indicates that, that that's over. And so he's like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to tell you anything. And it's like, did you that, learn anything? Yeah. Yeah. Minutes? But I mean, thinking about like the level of fear a normal human would have, you know, and so multiply it by whatever for a celestial having the same kind of, kind of fear. Right. Right. I do want to talk quickly about Charlotte uh, in these two episodes. Well, for one thing, I feel like Amenadiel kind of missed missed the memo that she was latching onto this for the wrong reason. Yeah. <laughs> She's hilarious, though. Oh my goodness! I need your bike for a minute. Don't worry, it's for God. It's for God. <laughs> my family and I just recently went to see Blues Brothers in the theater, and so I'm just <laughs> we're on a mission from God. <laughs> thought i haven't seen it recently but when she said don't worry it's forgot i had the same thought i saw you know the glasses and the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh yeah so i was i was thinking about uh about that which i'm like of course the, the writing staff is blues brothers like they i'm sure that was intentional but you know she's very clearly like is focusing on like, okay, this is my way out of hell. Okay. I got to succeed at this. And she's like, bringing all my type A success to this. Right. Right. So I'm going to win. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing that I also really noticed in these two episodes, and I kind of would like to like watch two episodes back to back one from season two, where she's the goddess inhabiting Charlotte Richards and one, like one of these two episodes, because I noticed she seemed younger in these episodes in a way that I can't quite put my finger on how she's different, what, what's different in the, in her delivery or any of that. But there was something timeless in terms of like ancient timeless when she was the goddess. Whereas here, you know, like, yeah, this is a woman in her late thirties or early forties who was flailing. <laughs> you know, like that was just really cool. Like realizing that and I'm just like, damn, Trisha Alfred is underappreciated actress and she needs to be in everything. Cause she is amazing. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I have a little crush on Trisha Alfred. She's pretty awesome. She is amazing. And, and that she, and she can ride a motorcycle. <laughs> I mean, I mean, assuming or there was a stunt, stunt driver. Can. <laughs> but like, but her son double has got him is probably like a 20 year old man, you know, cause she's so tall she's and so lean tall. and know. beautiful. Anyway. Okay. So Trisha Helfer and, and Charlotte, um, and Amenazil like not getting <laughs> what's going wrong with this. And um, actually all like the also the alliance between Amenadiel and Lucifer, right? Like, like 
it's God's will that you be with Chloe. And Lucifer's like, don't ruin it. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> glad we're on the same team. You know, like but the, the alliances are not aligned, <laughs> even though they're allied. It's really, yeah. it's really interesting with that. Okay. So speaking of uh, alignment, the scene when, when, Charlotte tells Amenadiel to like tap into his own insecurities and, and that scene at Lux mm-hmm. when Amenadiel like plants the seeds of mm-hmm. like, you really could die any minute now. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. Like that was pretty. And, and what was really interesting to me is that like all of us watching it are like, yeah, <laughs> right? like that's what it means to be human. Yeah. That is yeah. like, like the, the good place was all about that. Right. Yeah, yeah. But similarly, right. Like when Michael in the good place, not Michael, not Tom Ellis as Michael, the archangel, but Michael, Michael the architect, the, 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 de- the demon, the, the demon yeah. architect, demon architect in the good place. When he confronts mortality, potential mortality. Yeah. He has like a complete meltdown. Yeah. And so there's something really satisfying and interesting about Mm -hmm. like in in the sort of dramatic irony sort of sense of watching a human being portraying an immortal coming to grips with what it means to be human there's something like really like i find that particular vein of storytelling satisfying Mm -hmm. and like validating which Mm -hmm. i guess is why we do it yeah we the like species there's something um, I was thinking about last week when I I talked about how to Pierce it must feel like he's the only real human mm-hmm, being, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting because like we as humans we can't actually be in that situation, but we we like to imagine what it would be like and then like do the reverse engineer imagining what it would be like to suddenly have your mortality lose again, it. yeah, and. Um, and how like there's so many stories like this um, about this. There's a there's a fantastic YA series um, called Scythe by Neil Shusterman, which I think I might have mentioned to you when I read the the first one, because um, Neil Shusterman is Jewish and it felt like there was a lot of Jewish thought on death and mortality. And it's um, basically human beings after they have solved the problem of death. So like if something happens to you where you get hit by a bus or something, you become deadish but they just need to get you to a hospital within like a couple of hours and they, they can revive you. So the only way to truly die is to not be revived at like past the point of, of, of no return. And that doesn't happen. And so because you can't have immortal humans forever, they have scythes, which are the people who cull random humans to just make sure that they maintain the um, population, density. population density. And, uh, and so thinking about like one of the things that they brought up in that book was the fact that art was more meaningful before death was solved. Mm. And that, uh, you know, there there's art and, and all purpose had more meant more we spend so much time grappling with like the meaning and the fact that meaning only comes about because there is an end right i mean it's like a driving force for memento mori right like Mm -hmm. remember that you will die is Mm -hmm. like a a mantra of sorts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 
and it's it's interesting because I actually had the thought, um, you know, just looking, projecting forward, knowing like which of these characters will end up in heaven and have, uh, and then there's, there's a, like a suggestion of crossover with the good place, which we'll get mm. to, <laughs> which I love, I love, but that also suggests that, that this heaven has the same problem as the good place is heaven mm. um, in mm. that if things are eternal, then there is no meaning. Mm-hmm. I find it like it's fascinating. And then it's also fascinating because we've never actually seen Amenadiel express any of these insecurities himself. We've seen him express the insecurities about losing God's favor. But yeah, the actual of- mortality. You're yeah. right. We have yeah. not seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting to think about that, particularly with an angel. Like now they can be eliminated, which is what happened to Uriel with Azrael's blade so that that's it they're gone there's there's uh, there's there's no afterlife but what does mortality even mean to an angel right you know what does it mean to him that he knows he's gonna go to heaven or hell right so why is that scary mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. you know and yeah I, I I appreciated that scene very much like props to to wellings acting there the like he was just like yeah this is great is it huh Huh. yeah there was that dawning (laughs) that same facial yeah dawning of understanding yeah and considering how machiavellian he is you'd think he'd recognize he's being played (laughs) but it's also he has been so single-minded like this is what i want this is what i want for it's gotta be at least a thousand of his thousands of years mm-hmm. um, that he's forgotten what it actually means mm-hmm. in some ways, mm-hmm. you know, because I was thinking also, it's been so long since he felt the fear of mortality. Because mm-hmm. um, even if he felt it when he couldn't be killed, you know, the first, I don't know, 50 years, like eventually it wore off. <laughs> right. It's just, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to think about and and consider like, does that ever, could that ever go away? I, I really appreciated that. I, uh, um, I do, I want to talk about uh, Maze. Yeah, that's where I wanted to go next to. That's where I wanted to go next to, actually. Yes. Maze and Charlotte as like foils of one another, which mm-hmm. like, clearly everyone seemed to see that, well, except maybe Ella, mm-hmm. that like, if Chloe got real drunk and thought about it too hard, she wouldn't go through with the wedding. Mm-hmm. Like Mays clearly thought that, that that mm-hmm. was the case, but so did Charlotte, mm-hmm. right? Charlotte helped her along. I remember just really deeply enjoying Leslie Ann Brandt in like mm-hmm. the sweater dress and the pearls. The first time I saw this, this time, like, because I am savoring it a little more, the incongruity of it stood out all the more. Like, whoa, it's <laughs> like, just not. Like, where did she even find that stuff? <laughs> like, that was not in Maze's closet. The other thing I love is that when she and, and Linda are about to start fighting, she takes off her earrings. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I did notice that Linda ended up with the black water polo player. Mm-hmm. But that was an interesting little nod to Linda's attractions mm-hmm, mm-hmm. her type yeah i do want to say something a little gross about like okay so she's got to deal with the water polo team and my immediate thought is like 
what have they done? And hopefully it's something like vandalism uh, and not raping someone. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. So that's icky. So like, okay, let's assume vandalism, public urination while they're, they're drinking. I don't know something, you know, not a big deal, you know, that they, they they had too much to to drink after uh, celebrating, you know, their, their, their winning water polar match, but then she lets them off. She's in a position of authority. If they come do sexual stuff for her friends for a bachelorette party, that ain't okay either. And let's not forget that they are undergrads. Yes. Because they're from the whatever state university. Yeah, Malibu State. So these are undergraduate boys. Mm-hmm. So I mean, 22 the- and younger, 22 yeah. and younger. And these women are all, well, Maze is, you know, thousands of years old. And like Linda, Charlotte, Chloe are all meant to be in their mid thirties to early Mm forties. I think Ella's a little younger, maybe Mm -hmm. like late twenties, early Mm thirties, but still undergraduates are friggin' babies. (laughs) They are infants. They're toddlers. I mean, you you see them and it's just like, don't run with scissors. (laughs) (laughs) They are not, they're not sexual conquests for adult people. Although I do have to say, Linda's comments. I really liked him. He smelled like chlorine and butterscotch fudge, <laughs> which does not in any way make it sound like he's mature enough to be with a woman in her 30s or 40s. <laughs> I mean, he was a swimmer. So, well, yeah, but chlorine and butterscotch fudge are not two cents that I would yeah. put on a silver fox, let's say. <laughs> Maybe a swimmer. Maybe like a swimmer. I don't know. A, swim, a, a swimmer who's a, who's a baker. Maybe the butterscotch fudge is actually those Werther's originals. That's like grandma candies. <laughs> those little in the gold foil. Mm, <laughs> not seeing it, but maybe. Those are just butterscotch. They're not butterscotch fudge. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> so, so yeah. And that was, when did this episode come out? I mean, I think it was. Oh, I'm not sure. It must have been. It had to have been post Me Too because Me Too was 2018, like, maybe. Yeah, and and Me Too was like late 2017. Because it's season three, mm-hmm. and it the show started in 16. Started 2016. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, because I was my first thought was like, oh, maybe maybe they they wouldn't have done this post Me Too, but isn't it? It's actually an interesting point though, because because of the nature of the power, mm-hmm. usually in gender difference, it's, like. It is still socially acceptable. It is still socially acceptable for us to talk about women kind of objectifying and exploiting men. Men, yeah. Because of the, yeah. I'm I'm not saying it's okay. No. But there are reasons. Yeah, and I like, that's one of the reasons why it bothered me is that the Me Too movement is part of what helped me understand how sexual politics can negatively affect men and how often men are raped and by women. And so like, and that's, that's one of the things where I was just like, I I wish they'd taken a little bit more time with this, but you know, it's also, yeah. Yeah. Like if it had been like some sort of like male review company that was on charges of like public indecency or something. Yeah. 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 Where as like, opposed to like undergrads, undergrads, yeah. But you know, like I actually, I, this is an episode of. Uh, there's not a whole lot of episodes from season three that I go back to, but this is one of them because I love the, I love the party. 
I love Lucifer channeling Lucinda, <laughs> which because that's what Dan calls him. Yeah, I, I love on Lucinda. Yep. Yeah, I noticed that too. There's also that's the very final scene when Lucifer is like, I need someone I can depend on. And Dan's like, the irony's actually lost on you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then he just keeps going until he's like, oh, I hear it now. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's yeah. not what he says, but that's, yeah. there's something really, um, I, like the whole series to this point, mm-hmm. like in, in Lucifer realizing what is in the way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Besides the whole celestial drama, but actually within his interpersonal skills, what's in the way. Well, the the other thing I really like in this episode is when Dan calls him out saying like, you think Chloe is just her job. Like you don't even call her Chloe, you call her the detective. And he's like, it's endearing, which it is. It is endearing, but Dan has an excellent point. Like she is committed to her job, but that's not all who she is. All she is like, there is more to her and you need to like see her as a full human being. I'm thinking about that. And that scene that we, that we both love on the beach when he's like, you deserve someone better, someone who sees that every crime Mm -hmm. scene breaks your heart and appreciates your boring middle name. And the like, Mm -hmm. whatever, when she actually feels truly seen by him, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is the moment that they, you know, that, that she initiates a kiss that, that she feels the closest to him when Mm -hmm. she feels that he does see him. Mm -hmm. Sorry. He does see her Mm -hmm. pronouns, man. (laughs) So it's really, it's interesting to bring it back here because that, that was, I mean, part of the reason that she was spurred to kiss him in that moment was because it was, it felt unusual. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say I absolutely love in anything Pierce can do. I can do better when Dan finds out that Chloe and Pierce have broken up. They're at the crime scene and Lucifer's immediately on like, this is why you should not take him back. And Dan is like quietly like, I'm with you, buddy, but I'm staying out of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, There's also the moment when Pierce comes to talk to Chloe while they're in the conference room and Lucifer, Dan and Ella all like come closer to the window so they can hear what's happening. I don't know if you noticed that, but it's just like, like in lockstep, they're all like, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> I love that moment as well. Let's that- talk about Ella for a second. Yes. She was in, she seemed to be like wanting Decker star to happen, mm-hmm. but now she's totally Dears. Dec- <laughs> Pecker. <laughs> Yeah. So now she's totally team Pecker, but maybe it's less actually about the partner and more about Chloe. Like yeah. she wants Chloe to be happy. I don't know. Cause she, she clearly is like, Charlotte, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when she sees Chloe's face mm-hmm. on the bus. Well, and one of the things she says is like, I only have brothers. I've always wanted to, to have a sister. I've always wanted to, to plan a bachelorette party. And that's what, what gets Chloe to agree to right. it. You're going to um, pull this sister card, right? Yeah. And so like, I could see that being like, she just feels this genuine connection and sisterly affection for Chloe. And so like when she's rooting for Decker star, it's not that she doesn't like Lucifer. Like she, 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 she clearly she, does. She clearly does, but he's a weirdo. He is a weirdo, <laughs> you know, and then seeing how he has upset Chloe, let her down through the years. Like, yeah. 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 And also Ella was a fan of Pierce's even when from the beginning, even when like he didn't deserve fans. Yeah. Ella was a fan of his. So that also, yeah. Okay. All right. 
I, that's resolved in my head. Thank you. Yeah. But there's like, what I really like about the Ella's characterization is like, so at one point she's like, you're ruining my bachelorette party. And, was, and I don't remember, you mean Chloe. So that's, that's what I said. That's what I said. <laughs> and what's funny is that even Ella's selfishness is for someone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not that it's her bachelorette party that she's the center of attention. It's that her, it's her bachelorette party that she's planning to have right. like wonderful times to celebrate with her girlfriends. Yeah. Although I had to say, I was like looking at all of them chugging alcohol in a moving vehicle. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, in your 20s, maybe. <laughs> These are adult women who have had their stomach betray them. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Because I would be, they would be having, you know, cleaning issues after I was. Yeah. Okay. So I'm watching the time and Mm. I'm realizing that time has come. That fluffy, fluffy time. Fluffy, fluffy time. (laughs) At the end of like bringers. What you got for me today? So I've got one very small fluff. And that is at the beginning of All Hands on Decker Star when uh, Amenadiel and Lucifer are talking. And uh, Lucifer's wearing that amazing, like, silk robe. pants and robe thing. Mm. And devastated. <laughs> and you can see his belly. She's like, yes, please. His hair is so straight. It's, like, so straight. And, like, on the one hand, I like, it looks good. Like, they did a great job with it. But on the other hand, I'm like... Like they had to beat his hair into submission. Probably like, use a, like a, a flat iron or something. Oh my God. And I'm just like, and how long? Which is not what way? he would have been doing when he was feeling devastated. Yes. Yeah. But Lucifer doesn't have curly hair. Yeah. Tom Ellis does. Tom Ellis has curly hair. Yes. 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 That's my first one. My second one, also in All Hands on Decker Star, is there's a point where they are heading, Dan and uh, Lucifer are heading to talk to a suspect and Dan's on the phone. And he's like, we would have been there 20 minutes earlier if we hadn't, someone hadn't forced us to stop for a wardrobe change. I want to say like, the, yeah. the devil is real. I, I got it. Angels are, are walking the earth. They've got wings. Sure. There's a, you know, millennia year old demon. Absolutely. Angels and humans can, uh, can procreate with, uh, with uh, together. Sure. Got it. Kane is still alive. Kane is still Mm -hmm. alive. Yes. 20 minutes. Stopping. Changing delay. Stopping (laughs) to change would only take 20 minutes in Los Angeles. I'm sorry. That's a bridge too far. I am not willing to believe that. It would take more than 20 minutes in Baltimore. So yeah. Like (laughs) I can't imagine that. That is, that is just completely unrealistic. 10 times the size of Baltimore. Yeah. 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 And like, even if it were on the way, how long does it take to park and get up to the penthouse? And then he'd have to go through his wardrobe, figure out what he's going to wear. Well, actually, if it's Lucifer, maybe they stopped at a store and he he's wearing new clothes. Mm, Still would take more than 20 minutes, but still. Well, because if he's wearing new clothes, that's even more of a of a a wardrobe choice, because there's like he'd have to look through everything. What looks most like the detective and what he chose doesn't 
feel like the masculine version of Chloe. I don't know. It was like a leather jacket. Yeah. I mean, she does often wear like stupid skinny black jeans and like a, like a shell and then some sort of jacket over top. Okay. That is kind of her standard. All right. Uh, Those stupid skinny black jeans that just don't look good on anybody except Lauren German. Yeah. Okay. So was that, so those good? are my two fluffs. So right. like, yes, I I'll, I'll swallow every. It's similar to how I bought everything in Black Panther, with the exception of Martin Freeman's American accent. <laughs> Couldn't buy it. it. Was not just just. I'm sorry. Recast or make him MI6 instead of CIA. So anyway, yes. Mine is. I don't know why in these two episodes, and maybe in the. Maybe it's just, I just noticed it now, but the costumer is putting Ellis in these brown suits. I do not like the brown. Mm-mm. Like Mm-mm. they're just, I, they just don't look good. They, I mean, of course they look good because he's wearing them, but they just, they don't have the same sort of like luxury. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like Ellis's three-piece suits in this show usually kind of convey a elitism Mm-hmm. and a luxury that mm-hmm. is obscene mm-hmm. right like that's the point those brown suits are obscene for a totally different reason <laughs> <laughs> it just don't work for me i, I don't know I, I do not like the brown suits and all of a sudden i'm like understanding why like the whole world went crazy when obama wore that tan suit <laughs> like brown suits just don't work no obama get carried off the tan suit i will say i mean now- Okay, one point I would like to to bring up for costuming is that someone somewhere, I don't remember where I read it, was saying that they had a theory that the color of his suits kind of reflected how he was feeling. Oh. And so, like, he was wearing, like, very regularly wearing, like, the black suit with, like, red accents when he was like, I'm the devil. And then as he's feeling more human, he he ends up uh, wearing, like, blue and, and you know, a little softer. And then he writes, wears kind of bright suits when he's feeling good, which I'm like, that's a shame because I hate the bright suits almost as much as I hate the brown. Like, when he wears, like, purple and, like, green, I'm just like, I'm sorry, no, this is... it's not Easter at a black church. You just can't carry it off. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, I, so I thought that was an interesting, um, that is an interesting theory. I would, I'm going to pay attention now to see if there is, if that carries through. And I'm going to say, I wish they had done it with the pocket square and yes. Pocket square and tie. And and, and, well, he doesn't wear the, the, the tie actually. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, the, the waistcoat or the, the waistcoat, socks yeah. or the shoes, yeah. but like something about that all over brown. Like mm-hmm. just, bleh. Bleh. one last thing before we, we go, I do want to make sure I clarify something I said last week, which was I was talking about Phil Goldstein. Goldstein. And how it was so gross that like he was stepping out on his wife with, with prostitutes. No, bleh. But I didn't make it clear that my bleh was about him stepping out on his wife and not, not about, about sex workers, not about sex workers. The sex workers are fine. You know, that's that the sex work is work. Sex work is work. That's right. But uh, the fact that he was stepping out on his wife and she clearly didn't like it. That's what well, I, I, I think the blood with Phil Goldstein is it is almost more that like he was so like, I just I'm doing this rehab so that I can still do what I want. Yeah. yeah. That's what's bleh. Yeah. In my head. Yeah. Because it's, yes. it's not even like I, I actually have an addiction and this is something I'm struggling with. 
Yeah. Anyway, I just having rewatched last week's, I was just like, oh, I need to make sure that I'm clear right. on that because I don't I don't want to put that vibe out into the world. Sex work is work. Sex work is work. Period. Full stop. Yes. All right. Well, I think we have overthunk it enough. We have overthunk it. We even reached into overthinking last week. Um, you know, our tendrils go in all directions. <laughs> I'll see you next week. Our theme song is Feral Angel Waltz by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Visit the show notes for the URL. I am an artificially generated voice, powered by Narakeep.com. Lucifer is a Warner Brothers production that first aired on Fox and then Netflix. Tracy and Emily are not affiliated with Fox, Netflix, nor WB. If you liked this episode, subscribe to Keep Overthinking with them, and visit the show notes for other ways to connect.